Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's up? Welcome into the Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report. And uh, that's basically the way me and J.D. were just describing uh, yesterday. You know, Mondays are always difficult because you're getting back from the weekend. You had the days off. But now after a Saints loss, it's a little tougher as the... Saints follow the Browns 26-24 again. I'm Daniel Salerson filling in for Sean Kelly, who is en route back to New Orleans from Cleveland. J.D. alongside me. and uh, J.D., a tough game yesterday in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, that's another one on a last-second second field goal. And, and, you know, losing never feels good. And, you know, players always say it doesn't matter whether you lose by one or 100. It's still a loss. But, man, I mean, the close ones really kind of gnaw at you more than anything. I mean, if, if a team blows you out, then I guess, you know, maybe you kind of think it's it was meant to be and it doesn't bother you maybe nearly as much. Or uh, maybe it does. But, I mean, the close ones make you reexamine every step of the way where something might have turned different. So, man, that one, was a, that one was a hard one to digest. And if you just breeze through the stats, like, very quickly, the cumulative stats for both teams, you look down the lineup, and it looks like on paper the Saints had the edge most of the game. Well, Saints won every category except a really, really big one, and that's turnovers. And it was only one turnover. And uh, same thing in Atlanta. They were minus one in the turnover ratio. But those those turnovers – uh, that have been committed this season, three of them have turned out to be just, you know, gargantuan, huge, you know, turnovers. And they really kind of, kind of, well, not kind of, they played a huge role in the Saints not winning those games. Yeah, won a, a red zone turnover last week against the Falcons, a red zone turnover again, turned into a pick six yesterday. In Cleveland, uh, we're going to hear some sound um, from yesterday, locker room reaction. Let's start off with Jimmy Graham, who had a nice day, 10 receptions, 118 yards, two touchdowns. He talks about the offense and the loss yesterday. You know, even offensively, uh, uh, this week, we didn't start well either. You know, I mean, the first, the first quarter uh, was pretty awful for the offense, so we kind of put ourselves in a hole and then, um, you know, fought back, but just couldn't finish it. Any idea why they've slow start today? It seemed like you guys had bad field position and one thing led to another, but any? Um, uh, they were stopping us. You know, they were they were buzzing around and uh, um, doing what they do, and you know we just couldn't uh, we just couldn't get that first first down, and you know it's unfortunate. 
I mean, you guys have the same confidence in this team that you had in the preseason after the injury stuff? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I do. You know, it's a, it, I mean, I'm not going to. I don't think in my career I'll ever go into a game or uh, um, go into a week thinking I'm going to lose. That's for sure. Uh, you know, we, uh, we're still together and, you know, we're going to believe in one another. Um, but, you know, now we're in a hole and, you know, we've got to fight our way back. What is the mood of this locker room right now? It's, this is a time where the leadership really needs to, to rally the, the team. I mean, we just lost, so, you know, that sucks. But uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll, uh, we will evaluate everything tomorrow and, uh, you know, talk with each other and share some thoughts and uh, figure out what we need to do to get a win. You personally, do you know why it took you so long to get going today? Was it something they were doing? How was Joe Hayden in the matchup? Yeah, um, Joe Hayden's a great player. And, and uh, you know, they were uh, they're, they're doing a lot of different things um, as far as coverages and uh, dropping guys on third down, you know, and uh, putting like seven DBs in the game uh, a couple times, which is just crazy. Uh, but uh, it was working, and, and eventually we figured it out and started running the ball. So, you know, that's what we have to do. You know, we start running the ball. Besides figuring it out, you seem to solve the matchups, and Drew seemed to take advantage of the height difference you had to sort of throw it up there at times. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. You know, it's ended up being open a couple of times and, and uh, you know, got lucky. Did you just have a feeling in that situation there's not a guy that's going to stop me? Um, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not that cocky, but, uh, um, I'm, you know, I'm confident that, you know, if Drew throws it up, I'm going to try to go get it for him and, and uh, you know, hopefully i come down with it. So, J.D., seems like Jimmy Graham and the offense, it seemed to, I mean, the offense wasn't the issue last week as well. It seemed like they, they had, for the most part, like you said, a, a good day except for those turnovers. Well, the turnover, and, and but then they started slowing. And, you know, there's the feeling out process, and, and, you know, I think we've got such high expectations for the Saints offense that when it sputters just a little bit, we, we look at it and say, okay, what the heck's going on? And and we got to realize that yesterday in a critical stretch, uh, you know, beginning with the last drive of the first half, the Saints scored touchdowns on three consecutive possessions, and they were pretty uh, timely and pretty long drives. And, and you know, Cleveland was not giving up a big play. Cleveland made them chip away, chip away, chip away. And the Saints were able to slice them a little bit and get three consecutive touchdown drives. And unfortunately, now the unfortunate part is, you know, trying to close out the game. You know, they have an assignment bust. Uh, Drew Brees ends up taking a, a seven-yard sack from Carlos Dansby, and it pushes the, the Saints out of reasonable field goal range. Probably would have been a 55, 56-yard attempt by Shane Graham. If you miss, Cleveland takes over from that point. You know, so you play the percentages, you punt, pin them down deep, and you, and you hope the defense is going to get a stop. But, you know, for you know early on, the, the offense really struggled until it kind of flipped field position and was able to put together a couple long drives. Unfortunately, the defense has let up 63 points in the first two games most in the NFL. Jarris Bird, four total tackles, one solo, one pass deflection. And uh, Sean Kelly caught up with him in the locker room after last yesterday's game. You guys are so close to 2-0, but yet it says 0-2. I mean, that is a razor's edge for you guys. Yeah, it's, it's tough right now going through some stuff, but, I mean, it's going to make us stronger in the end. What, what's is there something you can put a finger on, or is it so vague at this point that it, it's hard? No, it's not vague. We know exactly what it is. It's the fundamentals. We got to get back to um, the details of things. Obviously, in both games, it was fundamentals. The first game, it was tackling. This game, it's you know obviously communication things that we got to get nailed down on, on assignments and things like that. So it's those things that you know are obvious. There are little things that can result obviously in win and loss. If today is communication. What messed it up? Was it 
being on the road, crowd noise? No, there's no excuse. I mean, it is, you know, it is what it is. These are things, these are teams that, great teams have to be able to play in situations like this, and that's what we got to learn how to do. Take me through the last drive defensively. Take me through, I guess, I mean, the ups and downs as it as it started to progress. How did you see it in front of you? Yeah, I mean, everything was just happening, you know, quickly. You know, we had to get, you know, our assignments and stuff like that. And then at the end, we just had to make a play, and we couldn't do that. As a veteran, and there are others on your side of the ball, what can you do now in your role to help, I guess, turn the thing around a little bit? Just got to make sure we stay together. You know, there's going to be a lot of finger pointing from the media, people outside, you know, wanting to, you know, accuse people and stuff like that, but we can't do that. We got to make sure we stay together and uh, fix what we need to get fixed and move on. Thanks, Jarvis. Yep. Yep. So, J.D., the Saints, again, putting up points, second most in the league in the first two weeks, but they're getting outscored 63-58. to 58. It seemed like the defense is just hasn't gotten in the ridden yet in the first two. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, getting stops. I mean, that's, you know, stop, getting stops on defense is, you know, there's there's one of two ways the team's going to finish out in the two-minute off in, a, in the two-minute drill in a game. Either you're going to finish out on offense where you're trying to score to win the game, or you're going to have to finish out on defense where you get a stop to win the game. And uh, unfortunately, you know, in Atlanta, the Saints didn't necessarily fi- finish out offensively in, in overtime. Now, they didn't play well defensively in that game. Atlanta, you know, just really raked them over the coals for, you know, 560 or 70 yards. I can't remember exactly which one. And then defensively uh, didn't hold up against Cleveland yesterday. Had Cleveland pinned on the four, uh, had them second and ten, and and I, and really had a great play on second down, except except I think Kenny Vaccaro was offside. So that really kind of, you know, got Cleveland into a groove and, and got Cleveland even with the chains, and then they were able to move down, converted a couple of third downs and converted a fourth down play on that drive. So the Saints defense – could not get off the field and and if you can't get a stop on defense or you can't get the proper drive on offense in the two minute in the two minute drill then you know a lot of these games come down to that and right now you know the the operative word in the Saints locker room is finish 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 and they haven't finished well we'll finish our discussion with you in the next segment we do have some positive news on the Pelican side Team USA and Anthony Davis and Monty Williams win the FIBA World Cup yesterday 129 to 82 over Serbia AD a quiet day seven points four rebounds but overall uh, led Team USA in blocks. He averaged 12.3 points per game and 6.6 rebounds per game. Jim Meikenhofer will stop by later on to talk about that. So we do have some positive talk to talk about um, with the Pelicans. We'll have uh, Steve Weiss from the NFL Network. We'll get uh, an update from him around the league coming up later. But up next, more on Saints and Browns with J.D. Stay up to date on the latest breaking New Orleans Saints news by downloading the team's official app presented by Verizon. Check out the 2014 schedule, league standings, and statistics. Plus, have access to watch live press conferences with Coach John Payton and players while reliving your favorite Saints moments. The Saints app makes the perfect game day companion with a detailed map of the Mercedes-Benz Superdome highlighting the facility's amenities. The free New Orleans Saints app presented by Verizon is available to download on iTunes and Google Play. Fans cheer on your Pelicans as they play their final preseason game against the Dallas Mavericks at the CenturyLink Center in Bossier City on Thursday, October 23rd. Prices start at just $9 from www.ticketmaster.com. While in town, enjoy the opening weekend of the State Fair of Louisiana, our numerous casinos, including the world-famous Horseshoe Casino, and hotel. Check out hotel packages for the game and other things to do at shreveport bossierorg or call 888 visit 
We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. John DeShazer continues our coverage of Saints and Browns. Unfortunately, Saints fall yesterday in Cleveland, 26-24, 0-2 to start the season. J.D., I want to start with some positives. I would say a good amount of positives from last yesterday's game. What are some that you could take away? Well, you, you like the Saints' run game. Uh, they've averaged probably more than five yards a carry in both games. Uh, ran for 139, I think, against Atlanta. Ran for 174 against Cleveland. So the improvement in the run game is noticeable, and it is it is stark from the way the Saints began last year. So you've got to like that much. Uh, you do like the fact from from a yardage standpoint. Now, obviously, not from a, I guess from winning the game. From a yardage standpoint, the defense played better after giving up you know almost 600 yards against Atlanta. You know, allowed only 324 against Cleveland, but again, didn't get off the field on that last drive when they really, really wanted to get off the field. And uh, and I think you've you've all obviously got to take some note of Jimmy Graham. Ten catches, 118 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, the way. The NFL is now officiating in the secondary where you can't do some of the things that maybe teams were able to do against him in the past. It's just going to make him such an effective weapon because if you can't, you know, I guess, you know, just kind of maul him around and, and grab him and hold him and those kinds of things, and the officials are going to be pretty cognizant of that, then if he's running around free as much as he was yesterday, he's going to, you know, those games are going to be pretty routine for him. So, you know, you like to see those aspects of it. And, you know, basically for really three quarters and, you know, 13 minutes or so, you know, like the defensive effort um, because the defense really, you know, you give the, the pick six isn't on them. Uh, and then really in the beginning of the game, they played with their backs against, you know, against the wall for the majority of the first half and, and at least, you know, held Cleveland to a touchdown and a field goal. And, and, and so, you know, really the defense played well for a good long stretch but just couldn't finish it out. I want to go back to the rushing game uh, you talked about uh, as a positive. Mark Ingram, 11 carries, 83 yards, one touchdown. Are we seeing a different Mark Ingram this year? seems like we're seeing an angrier, just a, a – powerful runner in Mark Ingram a different one that we've seen in the past well he looks a lot less tentative he looks way more decisive and I think a lot of that has to go with uh, the cohesion he and the other running backs are getting with the offensive line and he said you know hey you know sometimes you know you just got to take what's there you know might be two yards might be three yards but you press the hole and you make it happen and I think we're seeing him be a whole lot more decisive than we've ever seen him at any point in his NFL career and it's paying off from him for him he's a guy who I think once he gets his shoulders squared one a lot of people don't necessarily want to tackle him because he can be a load and two he's got a little bit more shiftiness than I think people realize so he made a couple of a couple of runs yesterday and, and you know he's made a particular run on a, on a pass from Drew Brees where he showed a lot of shiftiness in terms of changing direction. So, you know, he's been a lot more decisive, and I think it's paying off for him. Now, a lot of people last year, the theme for the Saints was they can't win on the road. They haven't helped themselves yet, 0-2 on the road to start the season. But it seems like a little different this year. They were in each game, and they could have won each game as far as last year. Some of them were just uh, the Saints had some trouble. But this year seems a little different. Seems like I mean, he, he, they could easily be two and zero. Just a couple plays turned around. Very, very easily be two and zero. But you know, the unfortunate part is, you know, it's a results business, and so until you do it, you haven't done it. And so you know, zero and two on the road this year goes on on top of last year's three and five regular season road record. 
So, you know, right now the Saints are 3-7 and seven in their last 10 road games during the regular season. Now, they rectified that in the playoffs, one in Philadelphia before bowing out in Seattle. So that was huge for the franchise and huge for the psyche. But, you know, to begin this season, 0-2 is 0-2. And even though it's been, you know, a couple of last-second field goals, unfortunately it's still 0-2. Now, uh, next week, Saints finally at home open up in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome against the Minnesota Vikings. Being 0-2, John, I, I, I sense a little urgency will be taking place in the Saints locker room this week. Well, there's got to be. I mean, I'm sure players will say it, you know, it's the next game. It's the most important game because it's the next game. But, you know, if if you're talking about, you know, high aspirations and those kinds of things, you know, the well, the stats are the stats. And 0-2 and 0-3 teams rarely you know, make it to the playoffs and rarely accomplish the things that they set out to do in the beginning of the season. So, you know, you have to stop it, you know, and you have to build a streak going in the other direction and what better place than the Mercedes-Benz Superdome where the Saints were 8-0 last year. That's John DeShazer. Look out for some of the locker room sound coming up later on today at NewOrleansSaints.com. J.D., talk to you down the road. Yes, sir. I'll be here. When we come back, we'll keep uh, the NFL talk going. We'll bring in Steve Weish from the NFL Network. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. all across Louisiana with cash jackpot starting at $250,000. That's a whole lot of cash. From the neon lights of Shreveport, Bossier City to the banks of Grand Isle, Lotto is your game. It doesn't leave the state and there's nothing like it anywhere else. It's Louisiana fun just for Louisiana. Lotto, it's a whole lot of cash. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Gatorade knows every victory starts from within. It's the determination to come up big when it matters most. But no athlete does it alone. They need training and fuel to perform. That's how greatness comes from within. Win from within. Game on with NFL Ticket Exchange, the only official ticket exchange of the NFL, where 100% of tickets are verified by Ticketmaster. Buy and sell the NFL-approved way. Visit NFLTicketExchange.com. Together, we make football. Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. Welcome back to the show. As we try to do every Monday, we welcome in Steve Weiss from the NFL Network to talk about some news and notes around the league. Steve, happy Monday to you, my friend. Yeah, happy Monday to me. It's probably not happy for a lot of teams around the NFL after the outcomes of some injuries. Yes, uh, that is uh, the case here in New Orleans. We'll get to the 0-2 teams in a little bit, but Steve, I want to talk about uh, the NFL pretty rough week between the Ray Rice and Adrian Peterson situations. Do you think the fans in the league were kind of ready for some games uh, yesterday and uh, just because of all the stuff off the field, we wanted to see some good play on the field? Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, I, I think the fatigue, you know, because we were greeted last Monday, you know, this time to the, the elevator video, and then we had the Adrian Peterson situation at the end of the week. But even when the game started, you had the the Greg Hardy deactivation for the uh, Carolina Panthers. So that just kind of was another ringing of the bell of the social consciousness of what's going on. So, again, I do think teams, uh, you know, the, the fan bases were ready for the games because the stadiums were full. I mean, the ratings are going to be good again, you know, so it's going to at least allow the people the escape that they had hoped to get from sports, but they weren't getting because the news coming out of the sports world um, was just so disturbing. Um, and like I said, it was ringing off an alarm of the social consciousness that a lot of people 
um, you know, hope to step away from in, in, in their everyday lives. Steve, six teams are now 2-0 with the Eagles having a chance to do so tonight as well. Out of those, Arizona, Houston, Buffalo, Denver, Cincinnati, and Carolina. Which one surprises you the most? That's 2-0. Yeah, Buffalo. I mean, look, this is a team um, that has a lot of talent. Um, but, you know, the question was, E.J. Emanuel, a quarterback, was he ready? And what you're seeing out of the Bills is they're playing fantastic defense. They're not turning the ball over. And they're not asking E.J. Manuel to do too much. And, as, and we've seen that's been the formula to success for these young quarterbacks the past couple of years outside of Andrew Luck, you know, who has to do so much for the Indianapolis Colts. So I, I'd have to say Buffalo being 2-0. A lot of people say no one would think Carolina would be here with you know Cam Newton not starting week one and, and we're losing so many people on the offensive line and the receivers. But the defense is going to keep them in every game. On the flip side, six teams are 0-2, including the Saints. Out of those 0-2 teams, should some of those be hitting the panic button? And if so, which ones? Well, I mean, for, well, the Oakland Raiders should be hitting the panic button because they look like, well, the Oakland Raiders. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think a team like the Saints should be panicking quite yet. They can't like what they're seeing, though. Their, their defense that was so good last year it looks confused. It looks vulnerable. Um and the fact that you know it, it, you know some signs we saw last year, times they don't they don't play to the final horn. You know we saw that yesterday, you know allowing some of those plays they allowed late, you know to Cleveland after they they fought back and scored. They have got to get that rectified because they're going to start coming up the teeth of their schedule where you've got some very dangerous offenses. Um, you know that you know it, it's going to be tough. Now those two games they played have been on the road. They get to come back home next week and. And, you know, that's usually a, a house of comfort for them. Um, but that can't mask some of the things that we've seen early on. One of the things I took away from yesterday, and unfortunately it was injuries uh, to some big names. You had RG3, A.J. Green, and Jamal Charles all left the game, not to mention um, Gerald McCoy. Are any of those more serious than others, and should some of these teams be worried with some of these big-name injuries? Well, the RG3 injury is the one that's going to, you know, clearly dominate the headlines. We don't know how serious that is. He had a dislocated ankle. Um, I'm sure they're doing the MRI exams. You know, they've done them to see if they're, you know, how much tendon damage or ligament damage could be done as well. You know, that could tell if it's a season-ending injury or something he could come back from in a couple months. But he's going to be out for a while, and we just know the situation there that if Kirk Cousins comes in and wins ball games like he did yesterday at Jacksonville, you are going to have a full-blown quarterback controversy because these are two quarterbacks that came in in the same draft. Of course, RG3, the first-rounder. You know, Cousins, the fourth-rounder. Um, and there's a lot of folks who like Kirk Cousins. So that's going to leave Washington in a position of, will, will we commit to RG3 with his injury history or will we commit to Kirk Cousins? And we've seen this before. We've seen it, you know, in, in situations, um, you know, with, with – uh, Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady. I mean, because there you had a veteran and a young guy. Here you have two young guys, so it could be more like a Drew Brees, Philip Rivers type situation. We're talking with Steve Weiss from the NFL Network and another, I wouldn't say QB controversy, a lot of QB discussion going on in Cleveland. Brian Hoyer, two touchdowns, 434 yards in his first two games this season, one and one. They almost came back against Pittsburgh. They ended up beating the Saints yesterday. Um, a lot of people thought maybe after week the week four bye, Manziel would be in there, but it seems the way Hoyer's playing, it, he's not going anywhere as a starting QB. Yeah, and that's no surprise. 
advice. I mean, the one thing that we've seen out of Brian Hoyer is he's a, he's a gamer. I mean, he's somebody who's had to fight his way to get everything he has, and he's got the starting job, and he's going to fight to keep it. And the fact that they've played, you know, they've, they've beat New Orleans. That's just like you mentioned, they almost beat the Steelers. There's no reason to go ahead and drop Johnny Mantell in there. I mean, the more he continues to play like this, more teammates, the other 52 guys are going to say, he's the guy we've got to roll with. And to, you know, to suddenly drop Johnny Manziel in there and to possibly disturb something they've got building, you know, that's, that's a huge risk. So right now, I think Johnny Manziel is, is on hold until further notice. Well, another exciting week in the NFL ends tonight when the Eagles take on the Colts. It's Steve Weiss from the NFL Network. Steve, always a pleasure having you on, and we hope to talk to you again next week. Well, thanks so much for having me on. When we come back, we'll turn our attention to the Pelicans as Jim Eichenhofer will join me in Studio B to talk about AD and Monty Williams winning gold at the FIBA World Cup. Back in a moment. At the Auctioner Hospital for Children, no matter where you turn, you're surrounded by bravery. Children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years. Parents working hard to keep the worry from their face. Doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home, where they belong. From rare brain tumors and leukemia to heart conditions and organ transplants, we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in Louisiana. With more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region, even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact... The only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for Children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. Well, my Monday was a little gloomy after a Saints loss, and it is Monday. So, um, But, you know, here to brighten me up in Studio B, Jim Eichenhofer, senior writer for Pelicans.com, talking a little AD and Monty Williams as uh, Team USA. A nice win uh, yesterday over Serbia, 129-82 to in the FIBA World Cup. Uh, Jim, I appreciate you stopping by. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, it's funny, I actually got quite a few tweets from people yesterday saying that it was the U- the result of the USA game and the way a- a- Anthony Davis played brightened up their uh, their Sunday. So I think that's been a pretty popular sentiment the last uh, day or so. Very good. Very good. Absolutely. AD finished with seven points, four rebounds in yesterday's game. But, um, Jim, I first want to talk about Team USA. They went 9-0 and in uh, the FIBA World Cup, obviously leading the way. Um, 86 points was the lowest amount they scored. The highest was actually in a championship game yesterday, 129. A, a pretty dominating performance, I would say, by Team USA through this whole thing. Absolutely. They, uh, people, a few people mentioned towards the tail end of the game yesterday that they had a chance to break the record for most points in a, a world championship or World Cup now game. I think it's 134 or 137 is the all-time record, which is a lot of points when you consider they only play 40 minutes. But um, it, it was... Uh, Obviously a very impressive last few weeks. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people were disappointed that they didn't end up getting the showdown against Spain that everyone was hoping for. But, um, I mean, how can you complain with them winning every game by 
21 or more points. They, I think their average margin of victory was somewhere in the mid to high 20s. Um, just uh, It was surprising that they never really, to me at least, that they were never challenged. But I do think that one of the trends that's happened in international basketball that we've seen in the U.S. for a long time is that the best top veteran guys on some of these other countries aren't playing. So, you know, for a while there, it seemed like some of these other countries, guys would would uh, play regardless. They could be coming off a season of injuries. They could be getting up there in their career age-wise, and they'd still play for their national team. But it seems like that's kind of – it's these other countries are kind of becoming more like we are, where we have a lot of guys that – we really don't have hard, anyone that's near the end of their career that's played on this team. So um, – it's it was surprising to see the the gap between the U.S. and some of these other countries. Anthony Davis uh, averaged twelve point three points per game, six point six rebounds per game, two over two blocks per game. Led the team in blocks. What what did you see out of Ant? Just a general synopsis of what you saw from AD in this FIBA World Cup. Well, a lot of his uh, Pelicans teammates who know him probably as well or better than anyone. Noted, have noted a lot lately about how his confidence level just seems to be so high. And I think a lot of that is offensively. It just seems like he's be starting to become unstoppable on the offensive end just with the array of skills that he has. He can he can make the mid-range to 20-foot jumper. He can dribble by guys. He can um, dunk on people with, you know, offensive boards and all the energy that he has on in that part of the game. Um, but – uh that was probably the the thing that that people noted the most was just you know he's unstoppable in the NBA at times but i mean the, the, these international teams were just overmatched by him and Kenneth Fareed they both just there was nothing that a lot of these teams could do to to handle these two guys now what stuck out to you the most about AD's game you talked about his confidence a little bit but when you were watching his games what did you see that maybe was like, man, I didn't see that much of it during his few years here with the Pelicans, or uh, man, that's something that he's gonna, we should look out for during this year. Well, I think his role is is a lot different with the USA team because they have so many other scorers. But I think one element of his game that he showed, probably re- more reminiscent of the season that he played at Kentucky than his first two years here with the Pelicans, is that. He he can still score and get involved in the offense even if they don't run the they don't run things through him. Um, just the fact that uh, you know he'd have he'd have stretches where he'd score six eight points in about two minute span and not once did they did they you know say okay give the ball to AD on the on the side and let him operate. It seemed like he's just so uh, impressive with how he can score without without you know the attack be, without him being the main option. And I think his role with USA basketball, he's so perfect for the, for what they need because they have plenty of go-to scorers. They have plenty of guys that can, that can go one-on-one and are the best in the world at that. But AD, the fact that he can be so helpful to a team without, without the ball in his hands, I think that's what makes him somebody that's so valuable for USA right now and probably going forward into future years. Now, I think some people were a little concerned, you know, after the whole Paul George scenario with his injury, and you have Derrick Rose coming back and playing a lot of games, that maybe having these players play nine games before the season might be a little worrisome as far as them getting fatigued. But I think for me, it was for AD, this is nine games that he has a chance to improve on. It's kind of like he played nine preseason games. Um, so do, would you take this as a positive or more, these are 
nine games that AD was able to work on and improve some stuff without actually having to play for the Pelicans? Definitely. I, I think it's something where he's probably – he already feels like he's kind of in a rhythm. You know, when training camp starts, it's not going to be um, to where it's been a while since you played in like a, a – f- organized game and a game against really good competition. I know guys play um, pick up a lot during the summer, but I think this is a lot different thing where you're playing in, in games that are, you know, with referees and, you know, of course, extremely organized and against really good competition. So, I mean, I know Monty Williams has mentioned a few times that he's going to gonna monitor how much um, AD and Omer play or practice during training camp and I'm sure during preseason games their minutes are going to be limited a little bit more than normally. But um, I definitely think it's a good thing for AD. And we've seen a lot of guys go from international competition and the success there and then take it right into the NBA season. So um, obviously that's something that the Pelicans are going to be looking for from him. And not only the positives getting taking away from Team USA with AD, but how about head coach Monty Williams with uh, Coach K, Jim Beheim, Tom Thibodeau. Gets a chance for Monty to work with these really good coaches, really good players, and also work with AD for a little bit longer. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's going to be it's something that's that's a, a big positive for for Monty um, being able to spend the amount of time that he has been able to with AD over the last you know month or month plus month and a half. I think it's been now um, is a good thing for sure. And um, Monty's talked about a lot how great of an experience it is for him as a coach to be around some of the other guys. I know. Coach K and Jim Beheim talk about how Monty is kind of the the young, the new uh, blood, I guess, on the coaching staff and how cool it is for them to be around his energy and what he brings to a staff. But I also think for Monty, not to not to speak for him or put words in his mouth, it's definitely good to, to be around the coaches that have had so much experience like Coach K and Jim Beheim have and have really, even though people look at Coach K as um, – a guy who's always been successful, you know, he's he went through some tough times and some adversity earlier in his career. So I think just being around the wisdom and, and the advice of those guys is definitely a, a, a big positive for Monty. All right, we're getting closer and closer to training camp. Jim, what can we look out for on Pelicans.com in the next couple of weeks? Well, it's gonna there's going to be a lot, of, uh, a lot more updates on, you know, some of the guys that have been working out here. Um, we talked to uh, a lot of the players last week, and there'll be more uh, – things coming up on that front um also there's a daily countdown to training camp that people can check out all right um (laughs) just another way for people to get excited about um training camp starting i think today is 15 days until training camp media day is actually exactly two weeks from today so it's kind of hard to believe but it's getting very close and we're almost at the point where it's getting very serious can't wait very excited i know you can't either yeah i mean i've been looking for forward to this for a while so i'm definitely excited to get the season started that's jim mike Hoffer, senior writer for pelicans.com and head on to the website and check out the countdown to training camp when we come back i'll wrap things up on this monday edition of the black and blue report Smoothie King asks, what's your purpose? My name is Trish, and I want more balance in my life. I feel like all I do is rush from one place to the next and end up grabbing a burger along the way. And then I feel guilty, and I start thinking, I need to spend an hour on the elliptical, but I don't have time. I want to eat better. I want to feel better. That's my purpose. We can blend that. 
Find your balance with the new Greek yogurt smoothies naturally powered by Chobani. Find pleasure in your purpose at Smoothie King. Pelicans head coach Monty Williams, Anthony Davis, and your Pelicans have been working throughout the offseason to take this team to the next level. Individual game tickets for the 2014-15 season are on sale now. Make sure to score your tickets early to check out the biggest matchups and see the biggest stars of the NBA. The best seats for premier games are going to go fast. Visit pelicans.com and take flight with your Pelicans today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. Well, I wish we were talking about a Saints win on this Monday, but it's time to move on and look ahead to the Minnesota Vikings who come into town on Sunday for the Saints home opener. Some breaking news out of Minnesota. Running back Adrian Peterson has returned to the team and is expected to play Sunday against the Saints. Peterson missed yesterday's game against the Patriots following his arrest on Saturday. Sean Kelly will be back in the hosting chair tomorrow as we'll have some exclusive interviews from today's locker room availability. J.D. had the chance to talk to Teron Armstead, Kenny Vaccaro, and Robert Meacham. We'll also effort to get some more Pelicans talk on the program this week. Training camp is only 15 days away, and most of the players are here working out, so we'll try to get some of the players and coaches on this week. Our thanks to Jim Eichenhofer, John DeShazer, and Steve Weiss for coming on today's show. You can follow the show on Twitter at BlackBlueReport or myself at DSallerson. Well, that'll do it for today's show, and until tomorrow... I'm Daniel Salerson. Have a great rest of your Monday. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.